Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are with you again this week to discuss a BYU loss versus Arkansas. It's going to be a very interesting uh, topic of discussion, so make sure you tune in for that. Before we get into the episode and talk about an even more fun week seven of college football, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're downloading the episodes, sharing it with your friends, and make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod as well. Follow Jared on Twitter while you're at it, at Jared Buckeye. Without further ado, let's get to it. Let's boo. Go Tigers. That field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here! That's right! Let's back this bula. Yeah! Ah! Let's go wild. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Welcome back, listeners, to yet another episode of The Best Podcast. Of the not best team. But the best podcast. Of the not best team. The best podcast. (laughs) Yes. The best of the not best. The skill of the team is not relevant to the quality of the podcast. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. No correlation. As you will see. Um, First things first. You need a garbage bag. Okay. To okay. put some things in it. What okay. color? Namely, leaves. Okay. 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 They have fallen. Have leaves started falling on this? Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're Marginally. Falling. I have a tree in front of my house. Leaves are falling. Okay, good. Well, where do you put the leaves? In a garbage bag. What is that called? Housekeeping. Mm, oh, yes. Baby. Let's get into it. It I is time. I do love keeping the house. Uh, why don't we start off with some... Proper football. Proper. Proper football. I always have to cover my drink when we're doing it. Potter. Proper. Potter. Proper. <laughs> okay, uh, anyway, so for proper football, uh, Real Salt Lake Yep. Uh, unfortunately had the season end in a 2-2, 3-2 penalty kicks loss to Austin FC in the MLS playoffs. They're now fake Salt Lake. Yes. They were doomed to lose the penalty shootout before it started because before the game even ended, they were man down. Oof. So they tried to park the bus. They had to leave. They tried to park the bus. They took off all of their forwards. Oi. Put in defenders and midfielders. Most of them were young guys. Didn't know how to take penalties. And it cost them. Oy. It cost them big time as their season is over. I don't like parking the bus. Yeah, it's pretty boring. So, question. If there were Real Salt Lake, oh. are they now fake Salt Lake or fake Salt Lake? The one that sounds less like a swear word. Mm. Yeah, we'll go fake. Okay. If that's it. Um, also in proper football, uh, BYU women's soccer, probably the best team on campus. Again, uh, yeah, yeah. these days. Well, women's volleyball. Okay, number 17 yeah. location in the new poll. That's true, that's true. Mm-hmm. They're doing well. Um, they hosted number nine, Portland, who is having an amazing season. Ooh. 
uh, at Southfield on Saturday after the football game. So, you know, after a huge disappointment, came redemption as they won the 4-1, to one, I think. Brecken Mazingo, amazing player, had a brace, which translation, two goals. Um, and it's a huge win for their resume. Folks are saying they're essentially a lock for the tournament based on their RPI, barring any, you know, catastrophic breakdowns. Yes. Might I add to proper football? Yes. Pro- 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 I'm pro- not much of a contributor to proper football, okay. but uh, BYU men's soccer extramural team, not even NCAA. Okay. They were ranked number one in the nation at some point. Um, they are still undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Only one tie on the entire year. Okay. Uh, to not Weber bad. State. Interesting. Of all they then ties. avenged. Okay. They then avenged that with a 6-0 victory over Weber State. They okay. just beat the University of Utah five to one. Love to see it. I can I can roll with that. And then yeah. it appears on October twenty first they are playing the BYU alumni. Okay. I'm not sure how that works. Mid-season Mid-season alumni alumni game? Yep. Nice. Fun. I like it. Let's hope that let's hope they get the dub there and it goes on the record. Beat the alumnus. One of their only ties the entire year is BYU blue versus BYU white. (laughs) Zero zero. How could they not come away with a (laughs) dub? That makes sense. They did beat Boise State ten to zero. I'm I'm just reading off random scores from their story. Let's get out of this proper football talk. Uh yes, because something important starts tomorrow. Or maybe was it important? I don't know, some, some sports event. Something. Or something. There is one good thing that starts tomorrow. Okay. The halftime show for whatever ungodly season it is that will be on TNT. Red Panda. With Charles Barkley. Oh. Shaquille O'Neal. The whole NBA on TNT yeah, staff. That's a good crew. They do, they do put on a good show. So. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Because basketball does not exist until January 10th. I was All right. Basketball does not exist, but funny clips from that halftime show do. Yeah. Well, that's my take. Uh, that there. is as much talking basketball as you are going to get for the next five months. That's all you need to know. All right, now it's time to get tipsy, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about our tipsy 10, how they went last week. We're going to review them a little bit. I'm going to head this one because it was a very good week for me. I'm going to say, after a rebuilding week last week, we put things back together, and I came out on top at 7-3, and three, the only one of the group who had a winning record. Yeah. The fans went 4-6, and six. Dan and Jared, hand-in-hand, hand, went 3-7. and seven. Yes. What do you guys have to say for yourselves? It's a cruel world, <laughs> I have to say. Um, yeah, I got let down by a few teams. It happens. I'm just going to turn the other cheek. Prepare to get let down some more. <laughs> um, I like how after a couple of weeks of chaotic jumping in the standings, we are back to where we started. With Dan up by two games on Justin, and Justin <coughs> up by two games on me. So back to square one, basically, for all of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fans are sneakily catching up. They are doing very well in the picks. Uh, better, better than I would expect. From a random polling of fans on Instagram. So, yeah, uh, watch out for them. I will say, it's still a Mickey Mouse schedule with all the ties that you guys had. Whatever. That's some bullcrap. Mickey yeah. Mouse. Uh, as we move into the next segment, <coughs> we must take a pause. Okay. Because we have a new ad. Mm. 
Everyone loves a great block in a football game. See Carson Wentz in Thursday Night Football, eh, Dan? Huge. But blocking in your brain can be extremely dangerous. A blockage in blood flow to your brain stops oxygen from getting to the tissue and results in death of the brain tissue. This is a stroke. It can kill, but mostly it maims and disfigures. Around the dead brain tissue is injured tissue that can survive if given a chance. Getting to the hospital and getting treatment as soon as possible can save the injured tissue, prevent death, and preserve bodily functions, like throwing a real block. Oh, yeah. Call 911 to save your brain tissue or that of your loved ones. And remember, be, be fast. fast. Brought to you by Just a Stroke Dog. It's always good to know. We always got to be aware of our bodies. We always have to be aware of what's going on in our heads. And now we have to be aware with what's going on with BYU football, though we may not want to. Let's talk about BYU, who played a game on Saturday versus an SEC team in Arkansas and got blasted. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Blasted is great. <laughs> um, this one started off on you know sort of a good note. And then things went south. Very, very far south. Yes. Like nether regions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, the backside of the nether regions. Yikes. <laughs> okay. It's getting ugly up in here. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, everyone knows what happened. What was the final score? Like 50-some to... <laughs> that, that just shows how much we were into the game by the end. Uh, it's 52 to 35 was the final. All right. Uh, it was bad. Not good. I, I got some nuggets for you guys if you guys want to hear them. Oh, okay. I do love nuggets. Regardless of whether or not you want to hear them, I guess. Tell us your McNuggets. Uh, McNuggets. BYU allowed 52 points and 644 yards. The only other yards. time this has happened in the Kalani era was 2016 versus Toledo. Oh. In that 55-53 oh. shootout where Jamal Goodness. Williams had like five touchdowns and 290 yards. Yeah. Uh, we also allowed 12 of 15 third downs. Yeah, I was looking at that. That's that maybe the worst stat of all. Back-breaking third downs. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, this season, BYU on defense is allowing 30.3 points a game. Hmm. That is the worst in 21 years for wow. BYU. We are allowing 190 rush yards per game. 190 per game. On average. On average. That is also the worst since 2001. We are allowing 404.4 yards. That is the worst since 2005. We are allowing 23.1 first downs a game. That is the worst since 2001. And on third downs, we are allowing our opponents to convert on 47.5% of third downs. That is the worst since 1991. So that should put it in perspective for you um, just how bad this defense is. We literally have not seen a defense this bad in our entire lives. Yeah. I, it, it, it is shocking to me how terrible uh, this defense is, and it was very evident on Saturday. Yeah, I have another nugget for you. Uh, in the past two games that we've played, Notre Dame and Arkansas, to put into perspective, taking out the garbage games at the beginning of the year, on the previous 30 <laughs> attempts, okay, 
The previous 30 attempts on third down, our opponents, Notre Dame and Arkansas, have converted 23 out of those 30 times. Oof. I don't think you're going to win many football games when you do that. Nope. Think about how demoralizing that is for a defense. I mean, you we've all been on a football field at one point or another. We all know when you are allowing the offense to convert third down after third down after third down, it just puts you in a terrible mental state where you believe that you can't do anything. And that is exactly what happened to BYU as they stopped Arkansas on the first two drives of the game and then did not get another stop until the very last second of the game where they stopped them on the fourth, on the inch line right before the goal line in a garbage time touchdown stop that would have meant nothing. Yeah. Yeah, let me just read off Arkansas's drives. Love this. Justin basically said this, but for, for effect. <laughs> first drive, fumble. Second drive, punt. Then we have... 75-yard touchdown drive, 75-yard touchdown drive, 60-yard field goal drive, 34-yard touchdown drive after a BYU fumble, 68-yard touchdown drive, 2-play 75-yard touchdown drive, 12-play 75-yard touchdown drive, 68-yard touchdown drive, and then, you know, at the end of the game, they had a 16-play 10-minute drive, and we stopped them on the inch line. <laughs> That's some of the worst defense I've ever seen. That's silly. That's like when you watch like Bama play Southeastern Martin State yeah, in yeah. November. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Our defense did not show up. Yep. Our offense kind of did show up. Uh, our offense ended up putting up 35 points. We had career nights from several different players on our teams. Still lost by 17. <clears throat> Jaron Hall, yeah. career high in passing yards. Puka Nakua, career high in touchdowns. Cody Epps also had a career day. So, and we still lost by 17 points. Yeah, that's that's bad. Uh, for me, like, I know we're kind of beating a dead horse here. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, everybody knows that our defense sucked, uh, and our offense was good but not good enough, right? I think the play where I knew the game was over was when K.J. Jefferson drops back on, like, third and 13, Tyler Batty, along with the entire defensive line core, oh my gosh. has two hands, full-on kisses him on the mouth, and then just falls to the ground like they're dead. And KJ Jefferson scrambles, finds a wide-open guy, and they get like 40 yards on a third and 13. At that moment, I kind of knew the game was over. It's the same thing in the Notre Dame game, right? When Drew Pine is getting sacked and underhand throws the ball to the, to the running back and he converts on a third and 15. Like, it's just... Those plays are the plays that they embody how bad the defense is. They even when our scheme works, you know, like a blind dog finds a bone, our players just can't convert. So I guess that segues into our next thing. Like, what do you guys think is a problem? Because it, it it could be coaching, it could be the players, it could be a plethora of things. Obviously, we know it was definitely the one thirty kick, um, yeah. as well. But like. I just, something has to change, but I don't know what it is, but at the same time, I know exactly what it is. It's everything. Because our players aren't making tackles, our players are missing assignments, they're trying too hard, they're trying to do more than their 111th, and also, like, no matter what scheme we throw at them, it's just not working. So, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. I think this is a hard one, because I don't think there's, like, an obvious, super easy fix. Like, our defense was horrible. We could fire Tuiaki, try a different scheme, but we still don't know if it would work. 
with the players we have. I don't know if it's scheme or players. I would lean towards scheme, but what is the right scheme for these players? I don't know. Um, but yeah, something is wrong beyond just the wrong players or the wrong coaches, I would say. There's something kind of bigger, maybe overarching is wrong with the atmosphere, the program. Not to say that like the players don't want to be there, but just something is a little bit off and I can't put my hand on it. But like you say, it has to change. Something. Yeah, you're, you're completely right, Dan. Everything has just kind of felt off this year. Like the USF game was fine. After that though, everything just felt off. Mm -hmm. Everything just felt like we weren't clicking on all cylinders. Nothing was going exactly right. Is there some weird stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about? Who knows? But to answer your question, Jared, I think it's both scheme and talent. Like They, they go hand in hand. There was a, a tweet uh, let out by somebody that is part of, a, of the 24-7 BYU network who was talking about the recruiting rankings of BYU's defense. I'm gonna read this off for you so the fans can, so the listeners can get an idea of what I'm talking about here. On any given play, the BYU defense averages 3.1 walk-ons and another 3.6 guys with only one FBS offer, that being from BYU. So that means on any given play, we average 6.7 out of 11 players that no other FBS school felt they were worth offering a scholarship to. That's over half of our defense. Not good. <laughs> Not good. Fifty-eight <laughs> percent of our defense had no other offers, so it is a talent issue. We have not been able to recruit super well on the defensive side of the ball, though we are doing kind of well in the transfer portal, I will say, and we are getting better. We've had people like Corbin Green on the show that will likely be a, incredible contributors in the coming days, coming years. But it's also got to be scheme because we saw it happen over and over again. When Arkansas was running the ball so well in the first half, they were running to the same B and C gap on the right side of the defense literally every single play. They weren't even trying to hide it. They kept running it to the exact same hole, and we did nothing to stop it. So then we say, okay, we're going to drop A. We're going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to do all this. Then we just let KJ Jefferson stand in the backfield for 10, 12, 15 seconds. He can take 50 seconds if he wants, and he's going to throw it to the middle of the zone where a wide receiver is wide open 20 yards down the field. Or he's going to throw it to a receiver in the flats where the corner is now 20 yards deep in coverage. So they don't meet each other for another 16 yards where they have to break down and make an open field tackle on a wide receiver that is more athletic than they are. So the system sets up our, 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 the system sets up our players that oftentimes when we play teams like this are not as talented as the opponents to fail. So it's both. Yeah, I agree. I think you can point the finger at the players not doing their jobs. You can point the finger at the players not being good enough, like the talent-wise, right? And you can point the finger at the coaching, both in scheme and player motivation and player management, right? Getting them to do their 111th rather than trying to do it all or trying to, you know, do somebody else's job, causing them to mess up on their own. I Honestly, like, I think what we really need right now is a bye week. Yeah, yeah. We need a complete reset. Unfortunately, yeah. we play a very hot Liberty team that mm -hmm. is literally playing for the Super Bowl against us this week. Then we get a Friday night. I I don't know how else to call it. it it's gonna be a, like a horror show, a hor 
Haunted House yeah. on Friday night of Halloween weekend against East Carolina. Very, very good team. And then we go to Boise, which we know is a literal haunted house. Albertson Stadium, named after a grocery store. Yeah. Um, we really need a bike right now for a complete reset, but we don't have one. So I, these next three games are really going to determine, like obviously they're going to determine our season, right? But this, these next three games are really going to determine probably what the coaching staff looks like, what the roster looks like going into the Big 12. And I hate that we have to do this because next year we're going into the Big 12. This is the last time that we want to have questions about whether or not the coaches are right, whether or not the players are right, whether or not the scheme and the attitude and the culture is right. I, I don't know. But as I, we kind of move forward looking at these next games, where does BYU go from here? Obviously, the defense was terrible. The def- the offense was good, but there were some stupid, idiotic mistakes that cost us big time in this game. You can't have any mistakes if you're in a shootout. Um, mistakes that, notably, we did not see in the Virginia game last year. We yep. didn't see these kind of mistakes. Jaron made a boneheaded decision to throw into double coverage um, on a route that was definitely not open. Um, the center snapped the ball on what was supposed to be a hard count. Um, just like stupid mistakes that really, really cost us in this kind of a game. Um, and then the last turnover, I don't count because it was garbage. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but where do we go from here? I, I don't know what, just moving forward. What are you guys' first thoughts as we look ahead at the next three games, but also as the season as a whole, where, what, what's next? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I mean, good thing we get that bye week before Utah Tech, right? I mean, <laughs> what an incredibly strategic time to have that huge, bye week. Huge. I will say, though, I think BYU right now is a upper-level G5 team, low-level P5 team. Okay? The rest, of our se- the rest of our season is full of a bunch of G5 opponents and Stanford, who is arguably in that mix as well. Yeah. Uh, Though they did just beat Notre Dame. They just we made unable Notre Dame that. look like an FCS school. So, I think for the next few games, we will be able to out-talent our opponents. The way that Arkansas out-talented us, the way we out-talented Utah State and Wyoming, we will be able to out-talent Liberty, East Carolina, and even Boise State, in my opinion. So, I'm thinking these next few games are going to be ugly, just like the Utah State and Wyoming games were ugly. We're going to win these games, but it's not going to be pretty, and fans are not going to be happy about the way we look. And there's going to be coaches voicing frustrations at the end of the game just to do nothing about those voiced frustrations in the weeks afterwards. So I think this team, where do we go from here? I think we just play out the rest of the season as well as we can. And honestly, this was supposed to be our last great season before we rebuilt going into the Big 12. Maybe we're just trying to get a jump on that and start to rebuild a year early so that we can be more relevant, so that we can be relevant one year earlier in the Big 12. As you guys were talking, I had another thought. Let's hear it. Because you were talking about coaches versus talent. Yeah. I think, and this relates to the final stretch of the season and the, the bigger picture, the Big 12 entrance, which we're all anticipating. I think one of our biggest problems is depth. Yeah. Especially on defense. Because we, we have some really good defenders, I would say. Mm-hmm. We've got a few great linebackers, some good cornerbacks, you know, defensive backs. D-line, you've got a couple that are you know serviceable, but I feel like our depth is really not impressive and not where it needs to be for you know a schedule like we have and you know the schedule we will have in the Big Twelve. Absolutely, I think that's been coming back to bite us a little bit. So as we close out the season, I would hope 
I would expect, I would want BYU to figure out what depth they have and what they're really lacking. Would you be willing to sacrifice a game or two to discover that? I honestly would. <laughs> like, I absolutely wow. would. I would. Okay. I'm, I'm season, thinking big picture here. I like it. This I'd... season, we don't have very much to play for, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If we can develop some guys or you know give some guys chances to see if they're worth investing in, and we find out that they are, and we can you know develop them into great high level players, but it costs us you know results now. I'm fine with that. Yeah, this season you get the six wins, you get bowl eligible, and then you play your backups and see if they're real or not. It's come to a point where yeah, we need to test our depth. We need to get them ready for next year. Because, you know, as much as we love Puka, as much as we love Jaron, and of course they should still get amped, you know, they should still get a lot of playing time, they're not going to be here next year. They're going to move on to the NFL, and we need to develop other guys because there's no way that we're going to go on a, even if we go on a five-game win streak, we're, not, we're still not making a New Year's Six Bowl. We're going to make the same bowl whether we have six wins or whether we have nine wins. So it's time to start developing other guys and see how they do. Yeah. I, I agree, but I... I don't think that's going to happen. No, it um, won't. Because, one, in order for that to happen, uh, because Kalani has made it clear that the players are the first priority, yep. along with the fans, right? But the players are the first priority. And if Jaron and Puka are going to go to the NFL, right? Chris Brooks probably wants to go to the NFL as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Gabe, Judy Lolly, Caleb Hayes. Like, we have several players that could take that step, right? Yeah. Jaron for sure, but there's a couple others. Um Kalani's going to make it his first priority to make sure that they get a good last season at BYU, right? In order for us to get our depth um, more playing time, which I th- I agree, I think that's important, and I would sacrifice a loss to ECU, right, or something. I don't know. Maybe not. Not in the moment. I wouldn't agree, but maybe long 10,000-foot view, I would agree, but not where we are right now. Um, we're going to have to blow out teams in order to get our backups time. And I just don't know if that's feasible at this point. It's not going to happen. I, we don't blow out teams. I, I don't think yeah. it's I don't think we know how at this point. Like I know like in the olden days, um, the olden days last year and the year before, we yeah. knew how to blow out blow out teams, but Kalani chose not to. At least that was the vibe we got. I feel like this time we don't know how. We do not know how to build up a sizable lead and like keep that lead right. I I think moving forward from here. I just want us to go in with the mindset of let's beat this team and let's do it because we're better than them. I don't want us to just rely on a better talent or we're bigger, faster, strong. Like I want us to scheme for Liberty as if it's the Super Bowl. And if we win that game, like that's the biggest thing on the schedule. And then we go to the next one because at, at this point, like the BYU fan base is incredibly low on this BYU football team. And taking another loss, looking worse, even if we are playing depth, I, I feel like that would be very harmful to the fan base. Now, would it be harmful to the team in the long run? I don't know. But at, I think it's important that we show some fight, we show resiliency, that when we're having a bad year, we don't just throw in the, the towel, um, and that we continue to fight for these last five games and and try to get to nine wins. Like I, Obviously, looking back on it, like that would suck. Like We lost our biggest games of the year. But at the same time, if we're going into the Big 12, it's okay if you lose the three biggest games on your schedule. You need to at least beat the teams you're supposed to beat. So, I, I don't know. We should beat all the teams left on our schedule, and I just want to see us do that. 
I will say that is right. But gosh dang it, Jaron Hall's hurt. And we see it. He does not have the same yeah. zip on his ball. He's hurt. At least hold him out for a couple weeks. You say he's so close to being 100%. He's getting close to being... So just let him sit out a week or two. Let Jacob Conover get meaningful game reps in. And then bring him back so that he can dominate versus Boise State, Utah Tech, and Stanford. His drops, his his draft stock will not drop at all just because he had to sit out a game with an injury. Let, let's be honest. Because of his injuries already, like NFL teams already have a red flag on Jaron. Like the fact that I, I don't know, I I don't want to have this discussion right now because I think it's a discussion we could have in the off season. Okay. Jaron Hall's NFL hopes, I think, are riddled with red flags. Like I think he's a very good quarterback, but I I don't know if NFL teams are going to be willing to take that risk. Like, as a first through fifth round draft pick, I I, I don't know, Hell, especially with yeah. this super super deep QB class this year. I don't follow the Taysom Hill. Here's what I think. He could be one of those career backup guys. Sure. I think he has the skill, you know, the maturity, Ain't nothing wrong the with leadership. That. If he wants to be. But I'm not sure if he wants to be, you know, with the lifestyle. He's also a family guy. Taysom Hill's doing it well. Mm-hmm. But we don't see very many BYU quarterbacks doing that. So that's just my thoughts. Yeah. If he wants to be in the NFL, that'll probably be what he has to do. And if he chooses to do that, great. But if not, I don't think it necessarily means he's not good enough to be in the NFL, but he's just choosing to do something else. We'll see. Like like it was said, this is probably a conversation for the offseason, so let's yeah. move on from yes, that's Jaron right. Hall's very true. Uh, hopes from there. Um, the rest of the season, we play at Liberty versus East Carolina, at Boise State, by... Utah Tech at home, and then at Stanford. What is the record you guys would like to see in the last five games? And what is the record that you guys think we will see in the last five games of the regular season? I mean, 5-0, and obviously, right? This is what you'd like to see. Honestly, at this point in time, I think 4-1 and is the ceiling. 3-2 and is the floor. Okay. I do think we will have a winning record through these last five games. Liberty will be a sneaky tough one. Uh, Boise State's another sneaky tough one, and Stanford is another sneaky tough one as well. So we do not have cupcakes left on the schedule. We do have play. We do have teams that have life to them, still on the schedule. But I do think we will come out of it with a winning record. I think it's tricky. I could see us go five and zero, or I could see us go two and three. <laughs> <laughs> I think two and three is unlikely, but a possibility. That's real. A real possibility. Um, so just playing the numbers, maybe four and one, five and zero. Okay. I'd say five on the higher end. Yeah, I'd say five and zero is more likely than three and two. Okay. Okay. I hope. So if it was three and a half, you'd take the over. Yeah. Okay. But it's 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 hard to say. These games, every week, my outlook on them changes because my outlook on BYU changes, and also these teams are, you know, moving up and down. So it's really hard. It it is, and I I worry a lot about this final stretch. Obviously, we're gonna beat Utah Tech. Um, we could lose any of the next four games. Three of them are away, which I know Stanford has zero home field advantage, but it's yeah. still an away game. Like, you're not playing in Lavelle Edwards. And if you're not playing in Lavelle Edwards, like, that's a detriment. Because Lavelle Edwards is one of the greatest, uh, definitely in the West, and in probably top 25 in all of college football. I would like to see us win four of these games. I don't think 5-0 is possible at this point. 
because I think we might lose to Liberty. Like, I think of, of the four, Liberty and Stanford are probably the most probable we're going to lose. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with going 8-4 and four on the season. At this point, like, if you either gave me 8-4 and four or the field of the rest of them, I would take 8-4, and four, right? Because I, I don't know. I, I just worry that this BOU team, we have zero identity on offense or defense. We need to figure it out, but we don't have time. We don't have the opponents against which we can spend time to figure out who we are. So uh, I will say I'm grateful for BYU yep. for doing what they have done. Because at the beginning of the season, we said, oh, man, our first like seven games is the season. And the rest of it is just a cakewalk. You know, like our, our, our season is going to be in four games, Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas. But after what we've seen the last two weeks, the last five weeks of the season are going to be exciting. Yeah. They're going to be like, I, I don't even know what to say. They're going to be like boxing matches every single week. There's no wins given to you except for Utah Tech. Um, sorry, Uncle Jared. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out because it's actually going to be fun. It's going to be fun football that we're going to watch. I think all of these games are going to be close. They're all going to be good. BYU may not win all of them, but at least they're going to be exciting. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, I like it. It gives us a, something to watch for, something to cheer for going into the final half of the season. Before we move on, let's get to a little bit of a lighter topic. Uh, chocolate Cougar Tail Review, or the Cougar Log. Cougar Log. Um, <laughs> how you feeling about the Cougar Log? Was it worth it? Absolutely not. Oh. I had to wait in a 25-minute line, and then they told me that the chocolate ones were out. So we had to go to another station, wait in another 20-minute line, and then finally got one. And it was basically just a chocolate donut. Mm. And like a mediocre chocolate donut of that. Like, I will say, yeah. like, I'm not a fan of like the BYU <laughs> chocolate bars. I think the chocolate's a little bit too dark. There's nothing in the middle, by the way. No cream filling. No creamy. Nope. Very doughy, too. Very mm-hmm. thin layer of frosting. Uh, frosting so... Yeah, it was a good idea. It's fun, but uh, was it a good idea? Interesting. I mean, it, it, and they probably made a lot of money. So business yeah. ways speaking, yes, it was great. Yeah, it's a nice way to mix things up every once in a while. I'll take a different color frosting every once in a while. But uh, yeah, is it is it me or are cougar tails getting shorter every single time? Like every year, I feel like they get a little bit shorter. They used to be like a couple feet long, and now they're like basically just two maple bars stuck together. I don't know. I think they're still a little bit bigger know. than that, but. I don't know. I feel like you've also gotten bigger every year, Jared. So that may be part of it. That could be twelve-year-old <laughs> 12 you and twenty-two-year-old you holding a cougar, cougar tail. tail. It's very different. It's completely different. It's, it's very different. different. And I probably haven't held one since I was twelve. So there you go. That might be the problem. All right. Anything else about the game? The helmets. Final uh, final verdict on the helmets. helmets. They actually did look good on TV. Okay. I thought they didn't I look as yeah. they didn't look as bad as I thought they would, which I was happy with. Like from the stands. It just kind of looked like they were a little bit of shadow on the helmets. Yeah, it looked like a royal helmet from the stands. It, yeah. it looked okay. Yeah. Watching the replays, like the paint was, I don't know, I feel like the paint they used was pretty good at like catching the camera. So. Okay. Exactly. Sweet. Uh, good, I guess. Yeah, not bad. I don't know. I, don't, I just, it sucks that our two best uniforms we pull out and then we play the worst football on offense in one game and the worst football on defense in the other game, oh. so... How do you guys feel about the take that we should not be allowed to wear any more cool uniforms like that and we have to wear the bib until oh. <laughs> we are good again and then we can wear those uniforms? I like it. What would be the threshold? Because Clemson does something like this, right? They have purple pants that they only pull out for championship games. Huh. What would be kind of the, the like, once you get to six wins, do you pull out the cool uniforms? Or, like, 
once you have a 10 win season then the next season like what what would be your your uh, attack to that situation interesting um hmm. when you uh when you're on pace for a an over on your win total expectancy. Mm, maybe when you hit the over. So if it's like eight and a half, you hit nine hey, innings. Yeah, you hit the over and you are covering the spreads of the games <laughs> that you are winning. So yes. BYU, a faith-based Mormon institution. Yes. Oh, excuse me, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints institution. Yep. You want us to predicate our jerseys on sports gambling. Yes. Yes. Las okay. Vegas sinners. I like it. They, they do put their money on Jimmer. That's, that's true. That's the church has enough money to influence Vegas, right? Yeah. Probably. So maybe hey. get some calls going in our direction? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a little blasphemous, but... We're getting a little <laughs> far off the straight and narrow path here. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should stop <laughs> talking about this. Um, any final thoughts on the BYU? I just... I It, it was very frustrating in the moment, but... On on Tuesday, as we sit now, um, I am I'm okay with it. It's fine. It's just what we are. It, yeah, you have I've to accept it. it. Yeah, exactly. It. I was prepped for this because exactly. this is exactly how every single one of my NCAA run throughs went. Like I didn't send anything to anyone, but I lost every single one. Like exactly how we <laughs> lost on Saturday. So wow. Yeah. Um, fun fact: BYU is currently second in the FBS independence. Guess who's first? Liberty. Liberty, 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 Liberty. 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 Oh, gosh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's so, move on. Let's move on. Uh, this week is going to be very, very fun. And I'm excited for the rest of the season. It's going to be an exciting season. It's going to bring us back to like those 2010 to 2015, 2010 to 2014 BYU teams that just were a complete wild card. Yeah. Every, single, every single game was a wild card. And we were just like, you know what? If we win, we'll be happy. If we lose, we'll be sad. And that's the point I'm at. And I'm okay with that. Yep. No expectations, baby. Yep. Can't be disappointed if you don't have any expectations. <laughs> well, uh, that was enough uh, downtroddenness. Should we head into what was really the story of the weekend, which is the greatest sport on earth, college football? It was a great weekend overall. Cue the music, baby. Boom. We start in beautiful Morgan, <coughs> West Virginia, where the Mountaineers found themselves facing the Bears from Baylor. Blake Shapen got bent out of shape in this one and was forced to leave the game early, leaving Baylor bare naked in the behind. Good one, boom. JT Daniels and Tony Mathis formed not a one-two punch, but a one-two butt slap, Ooh. helping West Virginia to 500 yards of offense in a second-half comeback. In the end, with it all on the line, the leg of kicker Casey Leg proved true, giving West Virginia the victory, 43-40. to 40. Wild game. We head out to the Big Orange, where the Big Orange took on the No Carolina in the Superdome. In a game that got shunted to the ACC Network so that America could watch BYU get ashtrayed by Arkansas, Dinosaur Babers and Co. tore the Wolfpack apart like it was another Jurassic Park world something or other. Seeing Tucker was pleased with his performance this week, averaging seven yards a pop along with one toodly. The ACC's clear front runner wins 24 to 9. 
Man, you just love to see when Sheen Tucker is pleased with his performance. We head to Corth, Carolina, where some devilish blue fellas were fixing to avenge the shameful death of their savior, Coach K, versus the tar foot fetishes of North Carolina. The Dukies threw everything they had in UNC's direction, but it just wasn't enough. Drake, not the guy from Drake and Josh, or, or the rapper, May, had himself a Drake day as he threw for nearly 400 yards and three tiddlies and turned the Dookie Blue Devils into the Dookie Blue Little Stepbrothers as UNC spoiled Duke's hypes. Duke's, what, what, hopes huh? once again, huh? winning 38-35. to 35. <laughs> Tobacco Road. Next, the Catholics of Notre Dame, riding high off of last week's victory over them Mormons, played host to Pack X laughingstock Stanford. Ironically, Returned missionary, returned Mormon missionary Tanner McKee passed for 288 yards and helped Stanford stand up to the fight in Irish, ending Stanford's 11-game losing streak against FBF foes and giving Notre Dame another bad home loss, 16 to 14. What a bad team! I'm a bad. I'm ashamed of ourselves. That was that was something. Uh, next up, we had to Sparta. Or uh, East Lansing, technically. In a battle of fallen giants, the bad Gers had holes in their defense bigger than an actual Bucky's. And Peyton Thorne in his own side because he can't throw the ball where the turd somehow ended up with almost 300 yards passing. In the end, Braylon Butterfingers Allen caught the Coco and coughed up the ball on the first play of double overtime, leading to a 34-28 win for the Michigan State Spartians. We head to the southern portion of that one state where Jared's family and I got a pistol pointed at us by a female motorcyclist on the highway. The butt, I mean, Peach State. Where the Dukies, mascot, not the school name this time, were taking on the eagle-riding Clay Hillens. With JMU's undefeated schedule and first-ranking in program history, the Jumus decided to lay an egg, throwing three interceptions and handing Georgia Southern a 45-38 victory. You hate to see it, Boom, but JMU is rounding into just transitioned into FBS form. Don't tell me that. Oh, man. Next, we head to a Memorial Stadium in Norman, Oklahoma, where we could have a changing of the guard in the Big 12. Is old money Oklahoma fading into the distance like Gatsby's green light? Will it finally be time to sing, for them to sing, <laughs> Would you still love me when I no longer... Young and beautiful. We're good at football. While Kansas was singing, A little party never killed anybody. Oklahoma were party poopers. Winning this one, 52-42. to 42. That was a great one, Boom. In the second worst game of the weekend for Cougar fans, the Scroots of Poota played host to the Southern California Birth Controls. Mm. Lincoln Riley proved he hasn't changed a bit since moving to his Los Angeles mansion as his team made Scam Lowering and Dalton Arcade look like the best duo since Emo Hipsters and The Batman. The WCC officials added to the hilarity, giving all watching anal fissures with their complete incompetence. I hate to say it, but the politically incorrects of the West are alive in the race for the Pac-X Championship as they come away with the ridiculous 43-42 victory. We head to the beautiful city of overly expensive alcoholic beverage. Champagne, that is. Where the fighting Eli guys were taking on row, row, row your boat, and the Golden Gophers of that frozen wasteland in the Midwest of the United States, Minnesota, otherwise known as the home state of Big Time Rush. Ooh. In classic Big Ten West fashion, 
Tommy DeVito and the ridiculously Italian Illini scored twice as many field goals as they did touchdowns, but it was enough to puncture a hole in Minnesota's boat as they took home a 26-14 victory over the weird rodents. Next, we head to Knoxville, Tennessee, where number six Tennessee hosted pseudo-rivals, number three Alabama. The defense in this one was the opposite of Fort Knox, as the teams combined to score 101 points. That's, yeah, that's a, a lot, lot of tullies. However, Bama's kicker Will Reichard had a hard time understanding his assignment as he missed a potentially game-winning field goal, and Hendon Hooker sliced up Bama's secondary like Captain Hook, allowing his competent kicker to win the game. Neyland Stadium erupted, one-upping their mustard bottle tossing by carrying out the field goal post and tossing it into the river. When all the dust was settled, Tennessee had the victory, 52-49. to 49. Wow. Hey, boo. Ever heard of fool's gold? It's this thing where it looks good, but is actual complete and utter garbage, and it is pronounced Penn State. <sighs> they might actually be decent, but the Spitchigan Wolverines beat the nuts out of them, not unlike Kingpin beheading that one Russian dude. J.J. McCarthage was good, but Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards were the stars of the show, running for 166 and 173 yards respectively and accounting for four totally Wow. That team up north is looking scarier than the prospect of rewatching the Arkansas game oh. as they roll the essence of Dittany Lions 41-17. to We now head to that goodness forsaken portion of the country where the University of We're Back resides. The Iowa State Cyclones were ready to wreak some windy havoc in Austin, but were met with a defense stiffer than the drink in Steve Sarkeesian's cup. After oh. failing to flip those horns upside down, the psych knows let Quinn Pooper throw for 180 yards and three touchdowns, including a game winner in the last five minutes of the game that had Texas fans forgetting all about the butt whooping Taysom handed them years ago for the first time. The upside down Longhorns win it 24 to 21. You get canceled for that one, boom. Next, we head to South Carolina, where the mullet sporting Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina attracted jeers from the stadium all night long Chanta in their what's... game against Old Dominion. Mm. What is a Chanticleer? I don't know. But the Regal Monarchs made Coastal look even less civilized than they already are behind Blake Watson's 324 rushing yards. What? What? Wow. What? Coastal has their first loss of the year. May they never receive votes again. 49 to 21. Wow. I love a good Coastal ash whooping. Mm-hmm. Next, we head to just talking HTTPS colon double forward slash his favorite stadium, where the Pirates of the Caribbean of East Carolina took on the Siberian Tigres of Memphis. Oh. In one of the season's best uniform matchups, Richard Parker and Pye duked it out all the way into the fourth overtime, where the new overtime rules were unfortunately more than just guidelines. In the end, Holton Allers and CJ Johnson said, I chum. To the Tigers' defense, converting on the winning two-point conversion shootout thingy, giving the Pirates a 47-45 victory. To wrap things up, we head to the Worthy Fort in Texas, where the ex-Gary Pattersons were looking to continue on their Big 12 crusade and take over the holy Western college football empire. The Cowboys of a state that is apparently just okay came into the Christian's turf church with more malintent than a disgruntled ex-Mormon, but were promptly baptized by the fiery red hair of Max Duggan. Spencer Sanders continued his campaign of mediocrity, completing less than 50% of his passes. The game went into a thrilling period of overtime, where Spencer Sanders proved that he sucks even more than we thought, 
handing TCU a 43-40 victory on a silver platter. Wow. What a weekend. Wow. 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 <laughs> Isn't that just... Wow. Wow. College football. Wow. Wow. What a weekend. <laughs> Gotta look. Uh, yeah. one, of, one of the best things that came out of this weekend, did, did any of you guys see it? I think, Jared, you might have seen it. Dan, did you see the video that TCU posted after they beat Oklahoma State? Nope. Okay. I'm going to show it to you. <laughs> I did not see it. I'm going to show it to you after we're done recording. I will retweet it on our Twitter. Everybody, make sure you check out that video. It is the most insane acid trip of a lifetime. It, it really is. Wow, what's that? <laughs> Uh, what a freaking weekend of college football. If you just take out the BYU game and look at college football as a whole, objectively, as a fan, it was insane. It had everything that you wanted to, that you want. Um, it had multiple overtime games. We got home from the BYU game. We turned on the television, cut the end of the Alabama game. We cut the end of the Oklahoma TCU game. We cut the end of the Wisconsin-Michigan State game. So many great, great games. Um, I don't know. This is probably like maybe because of BYU, not one of the best in, in recent history. But if you take it out objectively, definitely one of the best weekends of college football in a, of all time. Yeah, no, it was a really good weekend. Anytime you see Alabama lose, sorry, Mark, but yeah. uh, at least we didn't sing this time. We didn't sing a, a, a you know parody of a children's hymn just to make fun of you this time. Maybe we'll next time. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. If they lose again, we definitely will. But it's always a good week when Alabama loses. Yeah, I think until rivalry weekend or conference championship weekend, this may be the best college football day of the whole season. I agree. It was that good. I... So many great matchups, so many great games. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Uh, yes, you better have. Because if not, you missed out. Big time. Uh, a couple of questions I have for you guys. Tennessee, obviously they beat Alabama. Um, well, they beat Bryce Young. He's yeah. basically Alabama's entire team. Without him, like Alabama has probably like two or three losses on the season. Um, I, I'm sure Mark would even agree with us when I say that. However, let's talk about Tennessee for a second. How good is Tennessee really? What is their ceiling? Do you guys think they could beat Georgia? Do you guys think they could make the playoff, win the SEC? I don't, like, Because obviously they got over the hump. First time in 16 years beating Alabama. I, where Where's their ceiling? I think it's a good year for Tennessee to be on the come up because there's no dominant team in college football like there usually is, either Alabama or Georgia. Both of those teams have looked vulnerable, which leaves a lot of room for Tennessee to come in and, you know, if they get lucky, win the SEC, go to the playoff, make some noise. <laughs> yeah, they, they have... A big opportunity this season. Yeah, Tennessee, they're in a really good spot right now. Um, their next two games are in FCS school, Tennessee Martin. Okay. And then Kentucky. So literally like two buys. Two FCS schools, yeah, two yeah. buys. Kentucky <laughs> is somehow ranked number 19 still. I Absolutely baffles me. Kentucky yep. sucks. SEC. Then they play Georgia. Okay, so they basically get two bye weeks, and then they play Georgia. That is going to be a very, very fun game because they are two completely different teams. Yes. Georgia... Yeah. Completely defensively minded. Tennessee completely offensively minded. And I do think Tennessee might have the athletes to compete with Georgia secondary. So that could be a very, very good game. If they can then win that game, their last three games are Mizzou, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. (laughs) 
they are likely going to go 5-1 and one in this last stretch of the season. And yeah. it won't be close. They could go 6-0. and up. Tennessee, I do think, is legit. So, here's the thing. The Georgia game is super interesting, right? Because, like you said, they play different styles of football. Missouri played a very close game with Georgia, but they did it the opposite of how Tennessee plays. Yeah. Missouri bled the game, limited possessions, held the ball for insane amounts of time. Kentucky, or... Tennessee is going to play the exact opposite, right? Trying to yeah. score in 10 seconds. So that's really interesting. If you guys think they lose in a close game to Georgia and win out, and I don't know if I trust this Tennessee to really win out. Like, like yes, they're not very hard teams, but I could see them taking a like a stinker, right? Completely stinking it up. I don't I don't know if Tennessee is over the hump of of losing to bad teams yet. But say they go five and one, an eleven and one Tennessee team with their only loss to Georgia who went to the SEC championship game, do they make the playoff? Because I think they have the best win in college football right now over Alabama. I I think there would be a case in which if Georgia wins the SEC, you could see Tennessee sneak in as a one-loss non-SEC champ. Obviously, it would depend on a lot of things, but I don't know. I see that out there. I will say I think they have less of a chance of making it in that scenario, but Tennessee winning out is the worst-case scenario for college football. Okay. Because it would be fun, you know, Tennessee going to the SEC championship game, and it's Tennessee and Alabama in the SEC championship game, right? Probably. We're assuming Alabama wins out. If Alabama then goes and beats Tennessee, both <laughs> of those teams make the playoff. Plus maybe Georgia. There, I, don't, I don't think Georgia makes it <laughs> at that point, but there is no question in my mind that both Alabama and Tennessee make the playoff at that point. And there are so many good teams in college football this year. There was at least one person, one team from every conference that could theoretically go to the college football playoff this year. Mm-hmm. So that's a worst case scenario. Would it be fun? Yes. Am I hoping we see it? No. <laughs> yeah. So Tennessee and Georgia are both in the SEC East. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the winner of that game will probably go to the conference championship. Yeah. On the West, Ole Miss is currently on top. Because they're three and zero in the SEC, five and zero overall. True. And Alabama just picked up that SEC loss. Let's look at Ole Miss's schedule. They have LSU, A and M, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. If Not Ole Miss can beat Alabama, which you know Alabama's vulnerable this year, they definitely probably unlikely, but it's possible depending on how good Ole Miss actually is. We could have a Tennessee Ole Miss SEC championship game. Now that would be fun. I would love that. The color <laughs> matchup alone would that be. That would be beautiful. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> That's what I'm cheering for. I, I'm with you, Dan. Let's. You know what? This is enough talk in SEC. Like, this is probably more we've talked about the SEC in a positive light or at, at least even a neutral light in a long time. But I'm with you, Dan. I'm rooting for a Tennessee Ole Miss SEC championship game. That would be fantastic. Let's talk about the Pac-X for a second. And blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> but let's take Utah out of the equation. We're not even going to talk about those fools. We don't care about them. Uh, they, they may have just inserted themselves <clears throat> back in the conversation. We don't care. <laughs> I want to talk about UCLA. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My hometown team. UCLA plays Oregon this week. We all know college game day is going there. It's going to be a huge game, 9 versus 10, in Autzen Stadium. This game will tell us whether or not UCLA is legit whether or not Oregon is a competitor in the Pac-X, so on and so forth. If they get past this game with a W, they then play back-to-back-to-back, Stanford at home, Arizona State on the road, Arizona at home. Hmm. Three dubs. Three dubs. At that point in time, they would be 10-0 and 
USC, if they went out, 9-1 and one when they play each other. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. That is one way to bring West Coast football back. I mean, obviously, they're part of the Big Ten, technically now. But yes. still, honestly, it's, it's, still, it's still good to have relevant teams on the West Coast, even if they're not in a West Coast conference, in my opinion. If USC and UCLA are both in the top ten, that would be insane. I think that would be a ton of fun. College football is better when there are relevant teams on the West Coast. Yeah. Right? And I'm not talking about Utah because Utah isn't relevant and never will be relevant. And they're not on the West Coast. And they're not on the West Coast. Exactly. Um, UC, USC and UCLA, this is what I'm hoping for, is that USC and UCLA both win out. USC beats UCLA in that matchup. And both of those teams go and re, rematch in the Pac-12 title game. And then both leave for the Big Ten, leaving the Pac-12 in utter shambles. <laughs> I, the Pac-12... This is why I hated the Utah wins so much. Because the Pac-12 already thinks that they're good enough to compete without USC and UCLA. The fact that Utah just beat USC proves their point. That they have teams good enough to compete and that the two teams leaving aren't their two best teams per se. I want to see USC and UCLA both become wagons. I want to see that matchup that Justin's talking about. Because I want to see the Pac-12 crumble. I want to see Oregon and Washington feel like they need to leave. I want to see Stanford leave. And then I want to see Utah and the Arizona schools come to the Big 12. Yeah. I think it's pretty funny that UCLA and USC are having their best seasons in, I don't know, decades. (laughs) Right when they're about to change conferences away from the Pac-12. But it is pretty fun to have some West Coast teams, you know, nationally relevant again. I was looking at the top 25... We haven't really talked about this yet on this episode. There's some surprises. There are. There's some fun teams. TCU is a top 10 team. UCLA, top 10 team. Um, Who else we got? UNC is ranked again. Oh, that's true. Illinois took a big jump. Illinois. Justin's team. They're now number 18. Mm -hmm. Illinois and Syracuse, both of them. NC State is almost unranked. They dropped to number 23. Can't believe they're still there. One more loss. We should be... They'll be out of our hair. <laughs> but, yeah, there's some fun changes. Don't you, dare for, don't you dare forget to read off number 25. Tulane. The Tulane! Hey, they deserve it. Tulane. Hey, yeah, baby. I love that. Great. Tulane is ranked 6-1. and one. Credit to Tulane. They've been playing great. Yeah. I, I think this season, kind of to go off of Dan's point, all these new teams are in. Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, obviously, Clemson, the only team that hasn't looked vulnerable, I guess Michigan looked a little vulnerable against Maryland yeah. at home. They just yeah. kind of played with their food for three quarters. Sure. Um, there are no juggernauts this year. Yeah. I, everybody has always been talking about Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. But all of those teams have looked vulnerable at some point. I think there's a very good chance that we could see a lot of new teams in the playoff. And so there's not just like three red teams and an orange team. I think we'll get some new colors. I think TCU has a good shot. UCLA and Oregon both have a great shot, right? Those are probably the the big or the Pac X's best shots at making it. I don't know. I think we're gonna see a lot of parity this year. It'll be a lot of fun. I mean, it's when, fun. when was the last time we saw four Pac X teams in the top fifteen? I honestly can't remember. There are currently four Pac X teams in the top fifteen. Yeah. That's wild. That's that is wild. Absolutely insane. It's fun. It is very fun. 
any parting thoughts about college football? Obviously, this weekend is another huge weekend in college football. Yes, it is. Especially for the BYU Cougars, who are going to go play in the Super Bowl against Liberty. Um, but any parting thoughts about college football? Obviously, it was a great weekend. Uh, what do you guys have? Not about last week. I think we kind of dug into it pretty profoundly. Uh, the fact that Alabama lost, always going to love that. Mm-hmm. Like Jared and Dan were both saying, there is a ton of parody. It is going to be a fun college football season. Make sure you keep your eye on it. And we will keep you posted next week what games are the most important games to watch. And we will be letting you know when that weekend watch guide comes out. Yeah, I think for a BYU fan, this season has not been as enjoyable as others. But as a college football fan, it's so far one of the best ones in my memory. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It's shaping up really well. Hopefully it finishes strong, but... Let's you know keep getting excited for these games. Hopefully BYU can turn things around and the rest of the country continues to entertain. I agree. I like that we have an away game this year or this week because that means you can stay at home and you can throw up three different TVs and watch all of the fun and you don't have to miss all the great 130 games because you are in the stadium getting sunburned uh, and watching BYU's defense give up 650 yards and 52 points to Arkansas. Yep. Whose defense is, quote, not that good, bro. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, loved being here with you guys. Uh, stay tuned next Thursday or Friday. This Thursday. This Friday. Wow. Wow. It's late. Cool. Um, next episode, we will have a full preview for the Liberty, 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 Liberty game and a college football week eight preview. Love you guys. Thank you. Goodbye now. <laughs>